0: You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. We, we left our story in the Mishnah of Sukkah in the third chapter at the reading of the Hallel. The third chapter essentially deals with taking the Lulav, but we're going to shake the Lulav while we recite the Hallel. So that the Mishnah shifts between the lulav and the halal and we were talking yesterday about which verses we repeat in the halal and then the mishnah raises the question this is now the 10th mishnah of the third chapter what about someone who can't read because we have to we have to recite the halal so what if we what if what if somebody can't read what happens and the Mishnah explains o katan makrin oto someone who has a slave or a woman or a child, read for him. Makrin oto is more than read for him. It's literally, it means to make him read. Essentially, it's to read out the words for him. Someone who has someone else read out the words for him. One omrim. He repeats after them what they say as if they recite the words of the Hallel and then he recites them word for word after that and then the Mishnah closes with an extraordinary statement Utahilo ma'ara, and a curse shall be upon him as if to say look in theory you could fulfill the mitzvah by getting someone else to read and then repeating the words after them. But the idea, a Jewish person who, there's there's no, somehow nothing more shameful than the idea of a Jewish person who is illiterate, who can't read for himself. And I cannot remember actually seeing the word curse appear in the Mishnah, you know, with respect to someone who's trying to fulfill a mitzvah, with respect to a Jew who's trying to fulfill a mitzvah. It's an extraordinary criticism and it's extraordinary. I guess it's a witness to how the Mishnah views someone who can't read, particularly, of course, someone after the temple's been destroyed when the Jewish life depends really on, the, on verbal Torah. It's someone who can't read is is um gosh is cut off really from his tradition and there's a parallel text in the Gemara. there's a baraita in sukkah that uses ex- exactly the same language about saying berkat about saying uh, the the grace after meals birkatamazon. hamazon someone who needs his uh, his wife or a child or a slave to say the berkat hamazon for him is um it's the same language. A, a curse should be on him. Somehow the 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 idea that the, the idea that someone cannot read is an idea that fills the Mishnah with abs- and the Mishnah and the Gamara with absolute horror. Now, if an adult is reading for him, Imhaya Gadol Makreoto, if an adult is reading for him, and this is someone who essentially fulfills the mitzvah on his own if there's an adult written for him he just says hallelujah after him and this is how um i mean it's the practice in some synagogues today that the reader will read out the hallel and people will say how people will answer sort of responsively. and so maybe that's a precursor of the bacon asset today and the Mishnah then goes on, really, to talk about how they would read Hallel In This is probably in Beit HaKnesset, because it refers to various places. So we're not talking about Midash here. We're talking about Beit Knesset Makom In a place where the custom is to repeat, they repeat. Lifshot yifshot. Sorry, lifshot yifshot. To say once, one should say once. Levarech acharav. Yivarecha harav to recite a blessing afterwards. This is the blessing Melech mulal batishbachot, which we now say, by the way, routinely after Hallel. But it it would seem, and we we know there's a, a a bracha before saying Hallel, which I presume they were saying in the time of the Mishnah. But this is the bracha afterwards, Melech mulal batishbachot. Maybe this this seems to be an optional bracha because in the places where they used to say they they would say it. And then, um, presumably, where they don't say, it, they don't say it. Kol kamin har kamedina. Everything depends on local custom. Halokher lulav me chaver me chaverobachveit. Nitenlo etrog b'matana lefi sheein rachay lulakor bachveit. Someone who buys a lulav from his friend in the seventh year this is the sabbatical year now here we're going to get really interesting a lulav someone purchasing a lulav from his fellow well a lulav is wood a lulav is not food so in theory we, we know we can trade a lulav in the sabbatical year it's not sabbatical year produce we've learned that sticks are just sticks but he should give him the etrog as a gift he should give him the etrog as a gift well we've mentioned already that the etrog is the only one of the four species that is edible it's pre hadar it's a fruit of the goodly tree or of the beautiful tree and in fact we mentioned already the fact that it has to be edible right it has to be um, in a state that it can be eaten and of course if it's an edible fruit it is caught by the laws of shvi'it by the laws of seventh year produce and of course we can't trade it we can't trade seventh year produce so what are we going to do we're going to buy the lulav but the etrog is going to be somehow incorporated in the price or let's say the price of the etrog is going to be x and then the sorry the price of the lulav is going to be x and then the etrog is going to be given as a gift and that way we observe the sabbatical year. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Barishona haya lulav nitalbhamidash shiva Uva Medina Yom Echad. Originally, the lulav was taken for seven days in the temple, and in the provinces just for one day. And we can get this from the pasuk. Remember, we when we began the third chapter, we looked at at well uh, one crucial pasuk. There's just one pasuk really where you need to know off by heart. And we, it's in parashat Emor, Lachem bayom You shall take for yourself on the first day. So there's a special mitzvah on the first day. marim va'anaf These are the four spices, the four species, the fruit, the branches, the branch of a thick tree, and the willow of the brook. And then that's on the first day. And you shall rejoice between the Lord your God seven days. So is it one day or is it seven days? The pasuk mentions both possibilities, but the seven days are lifnei Hashem Elohechem. They're before God, and the rabbis learn that the seventh day rejoicing, lifnei Hashem, that refers to being in the temple. And if we think, therefore, that we're going to take the, the the lulav, therefore, seven days lifnei Hashem in the temple but we have to take it one day in any case now we can sort of understand our Mishnah. Originally the love was taken for seven days in the temple because it says yeah we're going to be happy for seven days. Uva In the rest of the province is just one day because the verse begins by saying just on the first day. Once the temple was destroyed, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakai decreed that the lulav should be taken in the provinces for seven days in memory of the temple. So in other words, he's extending the mitzvah. He's actually adding to the mitzvah from one to seven days. And it's very interesting. We're going to learn. Uh, please, God, we'll get to the Mishnah of Rosh Hashanah and we'll learn that uh, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai blows the shofar in Yavne. After the destruction of the temple, when previously it was on Shabbat, when previously on Shabbat, it would only have been blown in the temple. So we can see Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai is, is, um, is adapting. He, he's the, the transition figure between the old and the new and he's adapting he's he's adapting the times and this is part of his adaptation he's actually extending the mitzvah of he's extending the mitzvah of sukkah from one to seven days and furthermore um furthermore ve. Hanef and on the whole of the day of waving, it should be forbidden. <laughs> now, now, this is you this may sound a little bit of, a little bit obscure. What does it mean that it should be forbidden on the whole of the day of wa- waving? And we're not talking about lulav here. We're not talking about lulav. We're actually back at Pesach. Let's go back and look at a couple of Pusukim. The, the day of waving. The day of waving. We're back in the Parsha of Emor, by the way. So we're in the same Parsha, we were looking at a second ago. And he shall wave the Omer before the Lord to be accepted for you. This is the Kohen waving the Omer. This is on Pesach. On the day after the Shabbat, the priest is going to wave it. And Rashi explains there... And he's following the, probably the, I'm sure he's following the Sifra, the day after the Sabbath. This actually refers to the first day of Passover, i.e. the 16th of Nisan. Because if you mean, it means a Shabbat that, you know, marks the beginning of the world. um, uh, How do you know which Shabbat it is? you you have got no idea which of the 52 Shabbatot in the year it is so it must refer to the day after Pesach so the day after Pesach the Kohen is going to wave the Omer and the Torah continues just skipping three verses from verse 11 to verse 14 neither bread nor parched corn nor fresh ears shall you eat until this day Until you brought the offering of your God. And this is the Omer offering. In other words, until the Omer has been waived, the new crop is forbidden. Everybody partakes of the new crop together, rich and poor. This may be a democratization factor, actually. It would stop rich people buying the new crop in advance. It would stop rich people buying the new crop before it becomes widely distributed. Anyway, I mean, there's probably a whole shear to be given on this, but the new crop is forbidden until the Omer has been brought. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do when the Beit dash no longer stands? So when the Beit Midash does stand, people will be looking at that Omer sacrifice. And when it is waived at that point, at exactly at that point, they can eat the new crop and Rabbi Yochanan so let's go back now to Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai The whole of the 16th, the whole of the 16th of Nisan the new crop is forbidden because we we don't have the temple so we don't really know when the waving would have taken place and so we're going to put off the time when the new crop could be eaten until right at the end of the day we're going to react if you like to the destruction of the temple by moving the boundary of time a little bit thank you for listening to this edition of the daily mishnah podcast with benedict